So, Harry. Yeah? What job that you are absolutely not qualified for do you think you could or would like to fake it till you made it in? George Clooney lookalike. George Clooney lookalike. I can see it. It's yeah. Like looking into a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Handsomest guy alive. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to um, argue, really. Yeah. Astronaut. Astronaut. See, that's a job you don't want to be underqualified for. <laughs> <laughs> how, how can it be? You Do you really want to be... Fl- look, if... If, uh, what's her face? Sandy Bullock from Gravity can do it. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I don't know if she's the best example, to be honest. <laughs> she survived. Oh, do you really want to be like that? What was that film we watched? I think it was a Netflix one where the guy like accidentally stows away. Brad Pitt? No, not, not that boring ast- ad Astra film. Maybe you didn't St- see it. St- Stowaway? Was it called Stowaway? Th- it, uh, yeah. Did, it had Netflix a... not long ago. I didn't watch yeah, it. You no. didn't watch it in the end, no. I was meant to, but. Yeah, it was okay. But yeah, okay, never mind. You, you, you're picturing me that that that, that would be me. I, I, yeah. I just accidentally find myself on a spaceship and I'm like, whoa! Yeah, ask me if I think you could convince people you were actually an astronaut. No, I don't think so. <laughs> can I imagine you bumping your head and waking up in space? Yes, that I can believe. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Boxer, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to catch me if you can. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hear out other sequel pitches from our Twitter followers. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most forgeable signature. That's true. And I've joined many a time. It's just my name. Yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just my name. No imagination. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like everyone else has got like a fancy squiggle or a, you gotta like, give you know, it a little like, bit of flair, yeah, something like that. But no, mine like I I I can barely write at all. Mm-hmm. So like I'm lucky that I can write that down. And joining me as always, the host with the most money, it's John Lucas. Oh yes, I'm famously loaded. Yeah. You're a banker. I, you said you keep saying this. I'm not a banker. I work for a bank. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Um, so catch me if you can. Yes, I think I could. <laughs> Don't think it'd be too hard. <laughs> God, you're such a bitch. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> so this film. Yes. Do you like it? I did like this. Yep. This film got better the more I thought about it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because I watched this was my first time watching it, uh, and I watched it a few days ago. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and I thought, that was decent. I was like kind yeah. of whelmed by it. I was like, that was you know, that was quite a good little, you know, throwaway kind of bit of action drama Spielberginess. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of really stayed with me. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and it had like levels. And it made me think about things about the film itself. Right, yeah. Because like... Like what? Like how, how kind of sad it is in a way because i was yeah. expecting like it to just be this romp this kind of mm. you know chase movie and it felt like that at first but then i don't know after afterwards i just kept thinking wow your parents can really fuck you up like, <laughs> that, was, that was my main takeaway it was kind of like mm. wow this is uh this is bad parenting the movie in many ways like mm-hmm. everything that happens to this poor guy is because his parents are just not they're not bad people it's not like his parents are like are abusive or neglectful they're no. just they just really teach him the wrong lessons. Mm. Yeah. And everything comes from that. So I was just kind of like, wow. Yeah. That, that kind of just, I know that stuck with me a little bit. And I, yeah, I just thought it was really kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the bit that stood out to me kind of along those lines is, um, I think it's the first time they have a phone call at Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
And so Tom Hanks... You mean Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Yeah. So Tom Hanks is on his own in one of the offices and he's just working into the night. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he's drinking coffee and he's... Yeah, he just looks a little bit bored and he's not got anything else to do and, you know... I mean, he's working on the Christmas Eve in Offset. That's like cinema shorthand for sad and lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, you compare him to Leo at almost any point mm-hmm. and Leo is living in, like, the lamp of luxury. He's, mm-hmm. he's got mansions and just money everywhere and, like, sexy women all around him and Tom Hanks, none of that at all. He's got just the boring, plain FBI bit. Mm-hmm. But then when Leo calls Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks is like, oh, you've got nobody else to call. Mm. Suddenly I feel great about myself because yeah. we're the same. Yeah, it's like you these and me. two like, lost souls. I, thought, connect, I yeah. thought that I was doing shit and you were doing great. But no, we're doing exactly the same. You're just as unhappy as me. And that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really heartwarming Tom Hanks role. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't say any of that. But that's no, no, just but that's what, some what, of the subtext. That's just what yeah. I took from it. And yeah, uh, yeah so and it was, it's full of a few of those little scenes that are just... The more you think about them, you're like, oh yeah, there's the whole, all that going on. Mm, definitely, I agree. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, well, I like it. Yeah, no, I did. I thought it was really good. What did you think of Leo in this, DiCaprio? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily one of his all time best roles, mm-hmm. but it's a solid performance. I think it's one of those performances that just puts him down as this guy's always going to be good. Mm-hmm. Not he's always going to be great and like. Uh, like he's he's not always going to steal the show and he's not always going to deserve the Oscar, but like he's always good. Yeah, I thought this was one of my favorite performances he's done. Actually, oh, really? I was really struck by how young he looked. In yeah, me, this. yeah, me too. I, like, I was expecting him to be an adult, but like, no, he's still very much got that boyish look. Yeah. Well, he is. Like, that's the thing. It's because quite meta because he's he as an actor he was like twenty six, twenty seven when he made this. Mm-hmm. So he's like a twenty a guy in his mid to late twenties playing a teenager who right. pretends to be in his mid to late 20s. Got it, yeah. So it's got there's got quite a lot of levels good on there. Yeah. But yeah, I always think of this as being like a modern, and it's like 20 years old, yeah. a modern <laughs> DiCaprio performance. Because I, f- I really think of his career in two halves. There's like... Pre and post Titanic. Basically, well, not even Titanic, <laughs> but, but like... But yeah, basically, there's like half Rob Leo, and then there's creepy old Leo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's not like he's aged horrendously or anything. He's, he's no. a good looking guy, but I think he's just chosen not to play a lot of like heartthrobby kind of. He doesn't really make a lot of rob coms. He often mm. plays characters that are a bit, you know, in the Revenant. He's basically this beardy, you know, mm-hmm. mountain man. And then there's a Django Unchained when he's this gross racist. And yeah. It's like he, he's he plays like seedy kind of characters quite a lot. And yeah. it's weird to see him in this kind of fresh faced boy phase again because I feel like there mm-hmm. wasn't much of a there wasn't much of a middle ground. It was like overnight you went from one thing to the other thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure where that where that line is. I think the line is this film. Do you think it this is? This film seems to be the line, yeah. Mm. But then he made this film I had the same year as he made Gangs of New York. And I think if that has been much more like modern, Leo. Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still boyish in that. Maybe yeah. maybe it's The Departed. Let me just look up his IMDb, see what's going on. So yeah, he did Gangs of New York this year as well. Mm-hmm. Two years later, he did The Aviator. And then two years after that, he did The Departed. Yeah. I think that's kind of it because I've never seen The Aviator. So I assume that it's not as iconic a Leo performance, not as, not, not as good a film. I think he got nominated for an Oscar for it. Great. It's when he, it's when he played uh, Howard Hughes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, well, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never watched it and I've never heard good things about it. Okay. But yeah, so like maybe if not a lot of people saw that, then he wasn't in a film for four years, essentially, yeah. between Catch Me If You Can and The Departed. And I think that's potentially where, where the jump is. Mm. Departed, same year as Blood Diamond. 
And then he went on to do like Revolutionary Road and Shutter Island and Inception. Mm-hmm. By which point, he's a he's a grown man. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he's still he's really just got that boyish charm. Absolutely, certainly. Nice. I mean, that's I think that's why I was so impressed with him in this because another thing that really stuck with me in this film is a lot of the things that he does and that happen to him when you actually think, oh no, this is a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, this isn't a man in his twenties. He's pretending to be so. Like 10 years older, that's mm-hmm. a huge plot point is that he ages himself up for 10 years mm-hmm. and he's posing as a doctor and a lawyer and he gets engaged, you know, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff happens. And then when you actually think, oh shit, this is a 16 year old boy, he's just pretending. Mm. It just may add so many levels to it. Yeah. Like, I really want to watch this again. Yeah. <laughs> just like remind myself like, <laughs> oh wow. So yeah, I, I was really pleased with this one. Can you imagine having that confidence? No. Oh yeah. This like year, it's insane. Bravado. Yeah. It's. How big are his balls? Yeah, well, <laughs> we never do see. No. <laughs> but yeah. Like having a confidence to get onto a plane and sit in the cockpit, having mm-hmm. a confidence to pretend to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. That that one's the one that really like... Well, yeah, that, a lot that, of time I was that, like, just choose easier careers. <laughs> like, the, it's just like... the, the doctor one made me <clears throat> uncomfortable because like the pilot one, okay, he's never getting on a Pan Am plane, so he's never going to get asked to fly a plane. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's he's got around that. But the doctor one... And I'm 10 seasons deep into ER. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it can get very intense very quickly. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, really, and like it does in this. Well, exactly, yeah. You absolutely do not want to be caught out in a situation where a doctor is needed when you don't have the training. No. It's like there's so many other things you could pretend to be. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people in the world, probably are some of the richest and most powerful people in the world, probably got where they were through mostly just faking it. Mm, yeah. But like, yeah, doctors are not among those. Mm, no. no. The top doctors had to actually know their shit. <laughs> you would hope. Mm, yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I think that's, but that all, all of that kind of, that bravado, it, it doesn't just come from him being like supernaturally ballsy. Mm. It's that he's lived, this is what I meant about how like, the more I thought about the film, about how his parents, particularly his dad and that relationship really screws him up, mm-hmm. is that that's what he's been raised on this I mean, we can get into the plot somewhere, I guess. Mm. But he's basically raised by Christopher Walken, who's amazing in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've not seen enough of his films. No, I've seen I've seen very few. Well, he's more of a character actor. He's more like, yeah. he's more often like in this. He's playing a supporting role. In. Yeah. But I think Christopher Walken, I think, has got into this kind of slight uh, typecasting situation of just getting cast as like the quirky weirdo. Mm-hmm. And in this film, he's not really that, and I appreciate that. You like, know, there's elements there but it's not he's not playing that like yeah oddball that you often associate him as being yeah 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 i think i know christopher walken more from people doing impressions of him exactly yeah and so that's why i think they're like oh this guy must have been in loads of films and done loads of things and so whenever i'm watching him i'm always just looking for that bit that i recognize from the impressions yeah and uh yeah he does it in this yeah he's got it he's got that story about the mice yes he does certainly yeah two little mice fell in a bucket of cream The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, we can just get straight into the plot of somewhere, I guess. But um, our main character... Played by Leonardo DiCaprio is Frank Abagnale. Mm-hmm. Um, Junior. And, sorry? Frank Abagnale Jr. Frank Abagnale Jr., yes, because Frank Abagnale Sr. is Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken, yes. Yeah. And he is this kind of. Well, first of the very first scene, mm-hmm. 
is this weird game show thing. And I, I've never understood this. Mm-hmm. Never once. I, I've seen this film a few times. I've never understood why this scene is there. Yeah, apparently because it really happened. So? Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it it like, really like, doesn't like, fit. This yeah. scene doesn't fit with this film at all. Mm. And like, it looks like it's going to bookend the film or it's yeah. going to like pop in and out. And, you know, maybe we're going to see. So the concept of the game show is three people come out and they all pretend they, they all claim to be Frank Abernell Jr. Yes. And that I think they're all going to tell one story. And then the contestants of the show have to work out whose is true. Yeah, it's kind of like no, that quiz show, Would, would I Live to You? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, these three people come out. They all kind of be Frank Abernell Jr. They go and stand at the thing. Mm-hmm. One person says something. The other person is Leo. So we all know yeah. that, that, it, that it's him. And uh, he says something. And then we don't get the third person or anything. <laughs> like the scene just stops right here. Mm-hmm. And there's never any question of, is this story that we're seeing on film, is this true? Is this the real Frank Abernell Jr.? Mm-hmm. Or is this, you know, the contestant number one story sure yeah it just never comes up it's so weird no i think it's just there as like a little framing device kind of thing yeah but But i don't mean it's not the most successful framing device because it doesn't actually frame as much as just like it kind of peels away and then it never comes back yeah i guess they just had to put it felt they had to put it in because it was so weird that you would would have been on a tv show Mm. i just thought that was so strange like one of these people stole millions of pounds (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> how quirky you know yeah. like you'd think people would be really mad about that you know <laughs> yeah i mean he served some time in prison a very small amount of time in prison sure yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well yeah we get the. i, get, we, I mean I've, I've got questions about his his prison sentence as well which is also at the start of the film so we'll talk about it mm-hmm. but so yeah then it cuts to i think that he's in a french prison yeah is a it? terrible french prison yeah now what on earth is this French prison? It's like it's like Les Miserables, isn't it? It's, it's like, like a dungeon. Yeah, and like he's just sleeping in like the rain. This is like nineteen sixty nine in France. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's you know clearly dying of some poor illness that's yeah. clearly caused by just or prison. Yeah, 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 because nothing else. He wasn't ill through any other part of the yeah. movie. Although that cough seems like it comes and goes. Well, yeah, like by the time he's they, on the plane, he's fine. Yeah, no, they they they, they saw a doctor and that was enough. Yeah. So, okay, I guess we're just jumping over that. But also, like, when it gets to the very end of the movie and, like, they, they get him, mm. they, they they catch him, they say that, like, okay, he needs to be locked away in solitary for, like, 12 years or something. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, I get that he's, you know, he's done a lot of crimes, he's stolen millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but is that a solitary confinement kind of thing? He's not ever injured anybody. Maybe it's because he's so manipulative they think he might be some kind of sociopath such a good talker yeah like he could talk his way out of anything that's all i could think i agree i don't know why you would put someone like that in max yeah especially if someone's so young yeah like he's still a minor yeah yeah that's true (laughs) that sounds seems i I know he's like still still i mean it seems way harsh is he i know they say he's a minor at the end but i'm actually thinking about it actually no he can't be he must have been have, on the run for more than two years yeah they have three christmases yes okay he's not a minor but no, no no but they say he's a minor do they yeah yeah they say that even though he's a minor we're gonna just ignore that because of, because of the severity of his crimes oh maybe do they not say he, you he were might a be minor. close to a minor he might be like 19 oh does minor mean like under 21 could be, yeah. He's definitely fifteen at the very beginning of the film. No, sixteen when he has. It. Well, he, he turns. He has his sixteenth birthday at the beginning yeah. of the film. F- fairly early on, and yeah. him and Tom Hanks they talk on the phone at two Christmases, and then Tom Hanks arrests him the following yeah. Christmas. Well, he starts. Spoilers. But they do say six years earlier at the beginning. 
today. Yeah. Okay. So he's definitely at least... So he's at least 22? Yeah. By the end, he must be at least 22. I don't know what a minor is then, do I? No, a minor can't be old. 21 in America would be as... Yeah, you couldn't. You wouldn't be considered a minor at twenty-two. Maybe the judge said like, even because most of your crimes were committed while you were a minor. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Could be that. Yeah, but no, he's on the run for a good few years. God, this film's shit. It's dreadful, isn't it? Just falls apart. (laughs) Completely falls apart. Well, it's interesting because this film is based on a well inspired by a true story. Yes, Frank Abagnale Jr. really does exist, and he really did go to jail for mass fraud, and he really did, and come out of that, and then spend many years working as a top FBI Mm -hmm. fraud detective. That being said, there's a lot of controversy about how much of his story, because he really only became well-known when he wrote his autobiography, which then got made into this film many years later. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of controversy where a lot of people think he made like 90% of it up and like really exaggerated how much he'd actually done. Sure. It is a very incredible, amazing story. Yeah. So that kind of, and then you add Spielberg on top of that, obviously making it as cinematic as possible. So I guess this idea that, oh, it kind of doesn't quite make sense and all kind of falls apart is maybe kind of somewhat apt because it's actually <laughs> probably is there, there is probably a lot of like lies and deceptions in the basic story that we're being told yeah so yeah yeah i don't think yeah, that's huge if it all falls apart but, but this yeah. one feels like it's an easy one to to fix mm. like just rather than saying six years earlier to say three years earlier yeah i don't know fixed no I, I got the impression he was on the run for a good few years i mean he packs yeah. a lot into that time oh yeah yeah i i I had a lot of questions about how quickly anything was happening. Sure. Because it really made it look like he's just spending one week as a doctor, one week as a lawyer, one week as a... And I just... Yeah, I really really wasn't sure. Yeah. And like, how long had he been with Amy Adams before he married her? True. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the one where you think... "Mm." Yeah. It must have been at least a... I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the film jumps around. It's a long film, but it definitely moves like a clip. It jumps around quite a lot. Yeah. See, he goes on this chat show, and then we we have the, the French... So he's in this French prison. Sorry, he's in the French prison. He tries to escape. We think he's feigning his illness, but then when he tries to run away from the doctor's surgery, he really he really can't run because he's so winded from the coughing. So I think he is genuinely really ill, it yeah. seems. Also, all the French prisoners are just like cheering for him. Like, yeah, yeah. you go. I was like, why do you care? <laughs> what do all these French murderers care about some American kid running down the hall? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe just like the thrill of seeing somebody make a run for it. True, but it's a pretty... It's like in a high school when there's a fight over sure. there. And everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to run and go and see that fight right now. Sure. Like, I get it. Yeah. It's that. Fair enough. I mean, it's not the most successful escape attempt. As, as his many escape attempts go, it's pretty feeble. But he's he very does... ill at this point. That's what I mean. Yeah. So mm. anyway. Which is bizarre to me that it's it seemingly just days later that he does a very very good escape attempt from a landing plane that's what i mean it's like that <laughs> de- near-death consumption just lift right out yeah i don't know how long he's supposed to have been recovering from that maybe we could say it was a while but mm. yeah that was what puzzled me it really felt like his illness at the beginning just like vanished mm. but yeah i guess it would have just would have been extra scenes that we didn't really need anyway so we see him make this escape attempt and then we flash back to six years earlier he's 15 years old he's at some fancy dinner with his parents mm-hmm. his dad christopher walken frank abagnale senior obviously a very respected member of the community in some mm-hmm. ways i think he's supposed to have like a very well-known business in new york mm-hmm. he runs uh, he's got his mother is french and they had this great romance during world war ii when they i think mm-hmm. world war ii when they fell in love and got married and it all looks like a perfect idyllic family home and he absolutely idolizes his dad but it does become very quickly apparent that his dad, Christopher Walken, has some quite serious problems. He is a classic kind of 
self-delusional habitual con man kind of character like yeah. he he can never admit that anything's going wrong but clearly he's had a lot of financial problems early on, early on in the film he brings frank with him to the bank he, he makes he, they go they go together and these they scam their way into a like a, tux, a suit store a tuxedo store mm-hmm. his dad pulls this scam to get this woman to let them rent a suit mm. and then the only reason he's gone to all this trouble to rent this really fancy suit for his son is so his son can pretend to be his chauffeur because mm. he's trying to make himself look as like legit as possible while he walks into the bank oh, yeah, so yeah. all leo actually has to do is literally stand outside the bank and look like a chauffeur for a yeah. second and his dad thinks that's going to be enough that the bank are going to be like oh he must be super successful we'll loan him all the money so then he the father tries to get a personal loan from this bank and the bank turns him down because he's clearly been in trouble for tax fraud and yeah. his own bank can't won't lend him any money he's obviously in a lot of financial trouble mm-hmm. but he just he'll never he, he never just like breaks down and accepts oh i'm in over my head or mm. things are really bad here whatever even when they lose their home mm-hmm. like the, they, the, the next thing is that their lovely big house is repossessed and they have to move into a dingy little apartment instead yeah and even then the dad is still like oh no no i'll be back on top i'll be back on top this is mm-hmm. just a it's a fork in the road it'll be ha- it'll be better it'll be small easy to clean it'll be a smaller house <laughs> it's like he's always one is he's, he's, he's like a an a, like a gambling addict he's always like just one yeah. scam away from getting back on top it's just like yeah one more one more and i'll be up there i'll be back up there that, yeah. that kind of thing and that has obviously really rubbed off on his son and mm-hmm. the way his son kind of operates and moves around in the world it's like he just it's all about kind of fake it till you make it and you know never let them see you sweat and you know mm. he says something well he says there's obviously the the mouse story that he tells early on at this awards dinner when he's like there's two two mice fall into a a vat, vat of, of cream vat of cream one of them drowns and the other one just runs around until he churns that cream into butter and then he's rich mm. he's got all the butter well so, then he climbs out yeah. and he climbs out yeah, yeah. so it's, it's this idea that if you just if you just keep faking it for as long as possible mm-hmm. you'll get there and yeah. that's kind of his whole life motto and that's what his son kind of takes away from everything yeah i mean leo gets there very quickly he does he does yeah like I mean, he, he doesn't he doesn't go through many sort of faking it and failing mm-hmm. moments at all True. Well, he gets, so they get their house down, repossessed, they downsize this little apartment, mm. and then he has to go to a new school, like yeah. a public school. Like, so, uh, yeah. Because he's, he's got like a very posh, he must have been at private school before, because he's got like a suit on. So he goes mm. into this very like rough and ready public with school. With a logo as well. With the emblem. Lo- yeah, with, with the emblem, yeah, which is asking like, for trouble. Yeah, like, so you're just going to wear another school's emblem to your to, to your school, even though you don't need to? Well, his, his mum kind of asks him about that and he says, it's what it works, it's what makes me feel comfortable. Mm. So I think it's that same thing of like, I might be down on my luck, but I'm not going to admit to myself that I'm down on my luck. Mm. I'm just going to keep pretending everything's okay. Yeah. So he goes to this new school, immediately starts being picked on for wearing his stupid suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he basically convinces the the entire class that he's not another student, that mm-hmm. he is in fact the substitute teacher. Because yeah. he's wearing this suit, he looks like a substitute teacher. Yeah. And he just overhears some bullies say that behind over his shoulder mm. and something in his head just twigs. He's like, yes, I can be the substitute. Teacher. I think it's like a little choice he makes to himself. It's like, okay, either I can just be bullied by this guy for ages mm-hmm. or I can just have a bit of fun for a week. Yeah. So he po- successfully poses as a substitute teacher, mm-hmm. sends the real substitute teacher home. Yeah. Again, the first of many. Which is really sad. I know that poor woman, she was so upset. Yeah. yeah. I really felt for her. Yeah. Um, but it's the first of many cases in this movie where he essentially gets caught, mm. but just brazens his way out of it. Yeah. She's like, I'm supposed to be teaching this class. And he, in front of all the, the kids, she says, mm. I'm supposed to be teaching this class. And he just says, Oh no, I, I also I always cover this class. Yeah. And then she and then she's like, oh, and then she just leaves and starts crying. Like <laughs> <laughs> I came oh. all this way. Yeah. 
it's horrible. It is very sad for her, but yeah, I love this. It's not just that he pulls it off for like an afternoon. Mm. The next thing we see is his parents are in the principal's office being told that he pulled that scam off for a week. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that he was in the middle of planning. He, he'd, 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 he'd run a parent teacher evening and given feedback to all the kids' parents. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And then he'd also started organizing a, a class field trip to a French bakery. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I love, yeah, I love that too. But also just the fact that, not the fact that he stretched out for a week, but also the fact that like he really, once he was in there, he gave it a good go. Like yeah. he really committed to it. And like, yeah. he could have probably got them through that that semester. Like, <laughs> like he probably, he's probably on a first name basis with all the teachers as well. That's it. Was he sat in the parent teacher lounge just being like, hey, guess, yeah. Joe, another day. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geography, yeah. those kids. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think he might have been, yeah. Like yeah. he's just he's just a consummate. But that's the thing. Like lying comes to him as naturally as like mm. as speaking. Yeah. And I think that is the real thing. He never has honest conversations with anyone. Yeah. It's always lying. Yeah. I, I'm jumping ahead a, a little, but I love the bit when he's pretending to be a doctor. Yeah. And he's watching a medical drama on TV, and they're just giving all this jargon and stuff. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, is he going to find a situation in the hospital where all this jargon that happens to be on telly last night is going to become like what is needed to be said because that's very very lucky and he's not been running on luck yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. in this he's been running on he's just blagging it but then no he just he, he he finds a very leo way out of it sure 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 yeah we'll, we'll get to that but <laughs> so then when his parents get told about his little scheme um as they're walking out like you can see that like he doesn't get punished for it his dad mm. just kind of grins at him and like yeah Kind of, and this is what I mean about like the bad parent. It kind of reinforces this idea that actually this is an okay way to move around in the world kind mm-hmm. of thing. So then he, yeah, so then he's, he's, he's been caught out doing that. Then he finds out his mom is having an affair. Mm-hmm. She's having a very unsubtle affair with a, one of his dad's friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, his dad won't, won't accept that anything's wrong. He's just completely got blinders on. Yeah. But then they do end up getting divorced. I guess the mom files for divorce. Mm-hmm. And then they break the news of, his, of their divorce in, I think, a very harsh way he just comes home from school one day and there's a lawyer in his house yeah and he's like who the hell are you he's like well i'm the lawyer your parents are in the other room waiting for you now pick which one you want to live with sign the paper and then we're done yeah like, i don't think that's how divorce works i mean it may well be but that's probably not how parents should uh broach the subject with yeah 100 yeah yeah so i don't blame him for just running away at this point no, yeah because he basically yeah, he just he just runs away he he runs away and he runs to you know what? Another thing I realized about this film: very similar themes to Big. Yeah. Two weeks in a row, we've yeah. kind of done the same story about like a young, a young kid who runs away to New York and pretends to be at least ten years older than he actually is. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically the same plot. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And both have Tom Hanks in, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so he runs to New York, and obviously he's, he's sixteen years old. He's got no means to survive whatsoever. So all he can do to kind of live for hand to mouth is to just write bad checks. Mm-hmm. Initially, he's just writing bad checks, getting caught because it's not a very good way to make it it's not not exactly a brilliant crime writing no. bad checks but he writes a little bad checks gets caught out uh gets bounced from kind of host, hotel to hotel hostel to hostel but then he starts getting a little bit better at it so he first thing he does is he, he changes his name and he ages himself up by 10 years he, yeah. he, he makes some fake checks at this point he, he yeah, yeah constructs some fake checks that age him up by 10 years so now he's rather than being 16 he's 26 mm-hmm. and he changes his name as well and then we get a little montage of him kind of trying to cash these checks. And he's really trying to like replicate his dad's mm. schemes right right to the letter, right down to like, 
his dad's got this really cheesy thing of like picking up and a, a locket from the ground and asking the woman if she's dropped it and mm-hmm. doesn't work. Yeah. And like you say, he gets good at it really quickly and he does, but I think we do get these initial scenes of him kind of not being good at it and mm-hmm. failing. And I think that shows how he learns and gets better at yeah. being a scam artist as yeah. it goes along. I mean, I hope you understand. My boss sent me to Brooklyn, then Queens. Now he wants me in Long Island to take a few clients out for a night on the town. I'm sorry, but we're not allowed to cash checks from other banks. How would we know if they were any good? What did you say your name was? Ashley. Ashley? You know what I found on the sidewalk out there? Must have slipped right off your neck. There's something I can help you with, son. So he's, I guess he's trying to bounce along and just live hand to mouth on this check bouncing scheme for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it's not really going very well for him. But then he spots a, a pilot whipped surrounded by like sexier hostesses. Mm-hmm. And then he thinks, oh, that's the life for me. Uh, so he decides to scam his way into becoming a pilot at Pan Am. Mm-hmm. So he manages to get hold of a uniform. Yeah. By, very easily. Very. He just strolls into the office and says, oh, I I lost my uniform. Can I get a replacement? And mm. gets charged the company credit card. But of course, he's not on the payroll. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in the sixties, this would have been easier to do because not if nothing's electric. Electric. You could just write any old bollocks down. It would take mm. a while for it to come. Yeah, to exactly. Be, you've got plenty of time to get away. Yeah. So then he's got this pilot outfit, and then he he realizes that because while like random teenagers get, trying to cash fake checks usually get flagged by suspicious people mm. pilots are so respected because it's like mm. only not that long after the world war and you know i guess pilots are so respected that they can get away with pretty much anything yeah. and now he starts finding himself getting away with a lot of these same kind of frauds and forgeries he can actually cash those checks and mm-hmm. he's starting to make some serious money out of it mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, I love <clears throat> the way that he fakes the checks yeah so yeah he, he needs to get a a pan am sticker mm-hmm. somehow and conveniently the ones they have on their model planes are the exact same size that they have on their checks yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a great little loophole it's great no it is uh, it's again it's it's one of the pleasures of this film is, is it is watching somebody learning how to be a con man and how to mm. do it well and it, like it, it 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 really shows you the steps he goes through to learn how to do this really well so you yeah. feel like you right there with him whereas a lot of films that do this they just kind of like say oh he's a genius and we're just gonna like ask you to assume that's the case mm-hmm. and that's not particularly fun to watch whereas this you really like oh you, you see him getting smarter and learning new techniques and it's mm-hmm. really i found it really engaging yeah so he's not actually flying any planes at this point he's just walking into banks dressed as a pilot yeah and cashing checks well thankfully he never even tries to fly a plane no that that did give me a lot of um anxiety, anxiety. yeah, yeah I mean, I was like, same yeah i was like shit what, what if someone actually did that like yeah. i'm sure it's happened so you know people how do you know the the pilot on your plane is a real pilot you know Mm. you just trust that they will be but no he's not he's not trying to fly any planes but he at one point he gets caught short and all the banks are closed but he realizes that actually as a pilot he can cash checks in the airports Mm -hmm. that's kind of a service they offer for their staff yeah so he goes to the new york airport and he tries with the intention of cashing a check but instead he gets mistaken for a dead what's the word a deadhead I guess we're sticking for a deadhead. Yeah, yeah. Now I looked up what this is because I've never heard this term before. No, me neither. So a deadhead is a member of airline staff who takes a free ride 
on a plane that he's not piloting mm-hmm. to get from point A to point B. Because I guess mm-hmm. pilots have to travel a lot to be in the right place to mm, pick yeah. up the next thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, apparently it's, it's a common technique. So mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of pilots and air hosts and air hostesses, any, anyone who works for an airline, mm-hmm. they get a lot of free flights basically because just right. to get them into a position where they can then make a connection or whatever. So he's a deadhead, ends up on a plane and it's his first ever time on a plane. And I love how like, you know, he, it, that's never said out loud, but it's obvious it's his first ever time on a yeah. plane. Cause you see him like getting really, pa- not knowing where to sit, getting a bit nervous. Like the, the air hostess asks him if he wants a drink and he says, yeah, milk. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants aeroplane milk? That sounds disgusting. No, absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely. It's going to be shaken. It's going to look- be like very lukewarm. A little bit curdled. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, so, but, but he, he does quite well out of this flight, though, because, uh, you know, he gets to where he wants to be and he gets to have sex with Ellen Pompeo. Yeah, yeah. One of the first of many future famous women who just appears in a teeny tiny role in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah she's now the lady from Grey's Anatomy. She's been on that film, that show for like 20 years. Oh, right. Okay. You know who I mean? The main one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's her. So, cool. yes. Uh, so he, he uh, presumably loses his virginity to her. I guess. We yeah. can assume, yeah. yeah. And then we get a little bit of a another montage of him kind of continuing to work his way up to, you know, getting better at forging checks and cashing mm-hmm. in fake checks and pretending to be a pilot and traveling all over the country. Mm-hmm. And also kind of just using his charm on various women. Uh, we get another little cameo by Elizabeth Banks, who's mm-hmm. also in this movie for all of 30 seconds yep. as a flirty bank teller who he kind of flirts his way into cashing some checks with. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's racking up at this point, hundreds of thousands. It turns out millions of pounds. <laughs> millions of pounds and it, eventually inevitably it starts to attract the attention of the fbi mm-hmm. and in particular an agent called carl hanratty who is uh tom what, hanks what a name carl hanratty mm-hmm. yeah. and this is tom hanks who is our kind of second lead slash antagonist in this movie yeah he's not been in it much until now well this is his first scene well it's been some of the oh I mean, he's, pro- in the, he's in the preamble yeah, yeah, he's sorry he's in the preamble yeah. yeah he's in some flashbacks yeah yeah um yeah no it's it's unusual to see tom hanks kind of i mean he's not really that much of an antagonist because mm. he, he's kind of in the end he becomes like the the kindly old dad figure that we always expect tom hanks to be <laughs> but for the first like hour of the movie he's pretty much your antagonist yeah did he it, enjoy his, uh, his his bastard accent? Oh, his accent really came and went, didn't it? It was it was really in <laughs> and out. He's not an accent man, is he? He isn't. No, he has. He's a great of, actor, but he's not an accent. He shouldn't man. try accents. It very rarely goes. I mean, Forrest Gump was an accent, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he okay. can do them, but it always sounds very cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. That was a very extreme accent. True. Yeah, and I think I think he actually based it on a boy with a, a speech impediment. He based so, it after so, the, so like there's an accent and there's a speech impediment. Yeah, he going based on it on there. the actor who played his younger self. Did he? Yeah, famously in, in Forrest Gump, hmm. the kid who played young Forrest Gump, he just copied his voice. All right. So the kid wouldn't have to put on an accent. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and I agree. This Boston accent, it goes really big. It really swings for the rafters. But yeah, he becomes obsessed with chasing leo down and capturing him and he does manage to track him down to a hotel room in which on the turn of a dime frank just manages to braze his way out of it once again he's so suave just yeah it just it's it's insane like just walks out of a room there is a man pointing a gun in his face he doesn't blink yeah just immediately turns it on Mm -hmm. it's great it's fantastic yeah and again when you watch that and you think oh this is a 16 year old this is a child yeah (laughs) <laughs> who must be shitting himself, but just isn't. Like, it's just mm. so accustomed to lying. And yeah. yeah, manages to pretend to be an FBI agent and befuddle Tom Hanks enough that he can make his escape. Mm-hmm. And then Tom Hanks realizes that he's been had mm. and 
that's it. Then after that, he's just obsessed with him. He's yeah. just like, this is my one and only case for the next eight years now. Like, <laughs> I have nothing else to do. Yeah. I will track this little bastard down. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I was, mean, I, I, I love it because it, it just really brings that sort of that Tom and Jerry energy. Yeah, sure. It's, it's what it is, really. It's a, Absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a catch me if you can. It's a game of cat and mouse. 100%. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I just love Tom Hanks' determination that he needs to get this guy. Mm-hmm. And like by the end, they love each other. Yeah. Like, that's, it is a, the, it they're, is a proper... They're, like, they're the best of friends. Like, mm. if you think of actually how many friends each of them probably has. Zero. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they're mm-hmm. the... They're each other's best friends, sure. but they're, you know, one's a criminal, one's an FBI agent. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it, it becomes, that's what I think the film does really well. Like you said, these two like lonely souls who kind of mm. form this bizarre connection and become like kind of obsessed with each other. Yeah. FBI, come out of the bathroom. Step out of the bathroom. Hands on your head. Oh, that's the new IBM Selectric. Put your hands on your head. Print type in five seconds. Shut up! Pop out the ball. Put your hands on your head. Put your hands. You know he's got over two hundred checks here. Hands on your head. Drafting. He even has little payroll envelopes addressed to himself. Put it down. Drop it. Relax. You're late. All right. My name's Alan Barry Allen, United States Secret Service. Your boy just tried to jump out the window. My partner has him in custody. I don't know what you're talking about. You think the FBI are the only ones on this guy? I mean, come on. Come on, he's dabbling in government checks here. I've been following a paper trail on this guy for months now. Hey, you, you mind taking that gun out of my face? Please, really. I mean, it makes me nervous. You see some credentials. So yeah, he starts chasing him down. And then around this time, obviously, now Frank is aware that he is a highly wanted FBI kind of subject. And so now he starts thinking of himself as kind of a super glamorous spy and we see him watching all the old james mm-hmm. bond movies oh, yeah and then we have a great scene where he buys a tuxedo to look like james bond and tries mm-hmm. to pass himself off as ian fleming mm-hmm. like... <laughs> what, what what did the tailors think i don't like, think they actually thought oh him. sorry ian fleming is like a 26 year old man that adds up i guess he just used the name ian fleming as like a fake name i don't think he was yeah. trying to pretend that he oh i'm the guy who wrote james bond because like, yeah, most yeah. people don't know the names of authors you know, mm-hmm. it's not a particularly famous career mm-hmm. path Anyway, so at this point, he's living from hotel to hotel mm-hmm. and he's, yeah, drifting about feeling very glamorous. Uh, and this is when he runs into uh, another one scene wonder, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. They kind of have a flirtation moment mm-hmm. and then she reveals that she's a prostitute. In the weirdest way. In very weird way. Yeah. yeah. In in the kind of way where I think if, if it was me in that situation, I'd be like, I can't tell if you're playing a game. Yeah. Or like if you're just being like weird flirty and you're just saying some things or if you're actually a prostitute. But I can't ask, because yeah. if, cause if you're not, then it's really offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. She really like traps him in a awkward situation, because she's like, yeah, yeah she said, she just, they're already flirting, and, and then she says, how much would you pay to have sex with me? Mm. Uh, but in, but like I say, in a, in a way that like seems like, is that a joke, or is it not a joke? And yeah. then it turns out it's very much not a joke. One million dollars. Yeah. They're like, oh, sorry, you're being real. Right, okay. 200 then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then she manages to negotiate him up to $1,000, yeah. And he pays her with a dodgy check. He, yeah, he gives her a pre-written check that's like 1400 she Yeah, gives she him pays him. Back. So she, yeah, yeah, she ends up paying him to have sex with him. Yeah, so. Oh, God. Poor woman, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm sure she's had worse days, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. So then 
it's around this time that we get the first Christmas phone call, mm-hmm. which you mentioned earlier, where Carl phones, no, where Frank phones Carl on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and then Tom Hanks Carl realizes that oh, this 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 kid has literally no one in his life, and mm. he's so lonely. He's phoning the FBI agent who is trying to send him to jail just to have somebody to talk to on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very sad. But it's around this time that Frank then moves away from New York and moves down to Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. buys this big ass mansion. And mm-hmm. they never really, one of the things I say with this film, I don't know if it's a criticism or just an observation, but they never show him spending the money particularly. No. Like, You're right. it, well, like, because a lot of the film I was watching, like, all the Tom Hanks stuff and the FBI, and I was like, seems like they're putting all together too much effort into chasing this kid down for what is essentially a petty thievery and a pretty much victimless crime mm. and then i was like oh no but he's he's literally defrauding banks for millions and millions of dollars but you never yeah. see that you never see him like spending the millions particularly yeah so yeah i thought that was interesting that's something they don't really dwell on mm. but he goes down to georgia he kind of buys a giant mansion we assume and then he starts this way has a career change as well he moves away from the glamorous world of piloting mm-hmm. and breaks into the world of uh, becoming a doctor yeah which is uh this one this my anxiety just goes through the yeah, roof sure. i was like pretending to be a pilot it's not necessarily gonna fly a plane it'll be all right pretending to be a doctor all kinds of shit can go down mm-hmm. and people's lives are at stake i mean having not seen the film before i did when he was on that flight at the beginning i was like oh god is the pilot gonna have a heart attack is it gonna be one of those films yeah like, yeah oh, yeah because that yeah that idea of being i think I'd, i don't know what i'd find more stressful i don't know i think i'd definitely prefer to be a doctor I'd rather be found out pretending to be a doctor in a surgery than I would be being on a plane and people thinking I was the only pilot. That would be more stressful. I mean, they're both nah. horrible situations. Yeah, definitely. But uh, nah, like I reckon that uh, if I was put in a situation where I, I pretend to be a pilot and mm. there's a pilot and co-pilot who are already there yeah. and then they both have heart attacks or whatever yeah. and then I've got to fly the plane, I reckon that I could I could, I could work it out. Yeah. <laughs> You hear story. You Your hear, self-belief blows yeah, my mind. You hear stories about people doing it. How hard could it be? Yeah. Well, you get talked through it. Okay, sure. Like, yeah, there are there are instructions in the cockpit on you know what to do. For no, the, I mean, the, I, the, yeah, the I have heard that modern get, planes get, basically fly themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and then you get radio contacts when you're near the airport, and they'll tell you what to do and how to land it and stuff like that. And so it can be done. Okay. But if you pretend to be a doctor and you're there in a surgery, and you know, like, oh my god, the surgeon's just died or something so now you continue this heart transplant mm-hmm. what <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree it is it is very very i don't even know how many pipes the heart has and i call them pipes True. well yeah no, I've, <laughs> if anyone ever sees you looming over them in, well, in the middle of an operation wielding a scalpel they should pray for death immediately it, it is yeah it's not it's not going well but mm. yeah so he moves to atlanta georgia and gets a job as like the in-house like again it's not a doctor who will be expected to do a whole load of surgery it's like the mm. I don't know what the title to give him is, but like, yeah, he's like training the other doctors, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Or something. Uh, he's working the night shift, like the slow shift. Yeah. So that helps as well. But this is when he develops a romance with a, a young Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brenda, I think her character is called. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the first things she ever did. Really? Yeah, she hadn't oh, even cool. had an Oscar nomination yet. So she, nice. It's before Enchanted. It's before she was in that film, Junebug. Was it before the little Buffy appearance? No, after Buffy. Okay. Or maybe around the same time. Maybe after. Because yeah. she did this film and then she didn't work again for like two years. Really? Like you'd think this being... Well, having a, he. True, but he was already had Titanic. Like, yeah. What I mean is like, you'd think being in a Spielberg movie would then be a 
you'd be on a roll because mm. it's not like it's a small she's got a relatively yeah. decent role it, ma- it made me uncomfortable in this because he just seemed so much older and so much more mature but it's weird when you think about it like no, no, no. They're probably the same age. She might even be older than him. She's <laughs> most likely older than him. Well, I agree because she comes across as very naive and she's yeah. got the braces, obviously. And it's all, yeah. It is played like, she's oh. She's very girly, childish. Yeah. It's like, oh, here's this suave doctor coming in and, mm. uh, you know, seducing this girlish receptionist who doesn't really know what she's doing or yeah. girlish nurse. Yeah, but then I thought that was so genius when it turns around a little bit at the, when they have sex mm. and then she reveals, oh, no, I, I've had an abortion. I've had like mm. a really hard life already. Yeah. And she must be older than him. Yeah. Probably. And again, again, when you go, oh shit, cause he's 16. Mm. The movie keeps making you forget that he's 16 and then yeah. finds these ways to remind you you're like shit. She... And then he has this very 16 year old boy's reaction. Like, oh, well, I'll marry you then. Yeah. Like this very impulsive, oh, <laughs> I'll marry you. Mm. And she goes along with it, of course. And of course, cause she's so swept away. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly he's engaged. Yeah. And this is, this is again, where it gets weird. Like the doctor was one thing, but then getting engaged to somebody with the wrong name as well. Yes. Well, now, this is what does him in. This and, is what gets him caught. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this was where I, where I really started to feel anxious. Not for him getting caught or anything. I was mm. more like, I'm not sensing this ending well for Amy Adams. This is <laughs> yeah. like, like, she doesn't look like she's full of confidence, does she? No, no, no. Like, she's obviously like, quite a fragile person, yeah. Yeah. And this would ruin someone like that. Yeah. Like, just finding out that your husband is not who he says he is. Oh, I feel he... terrible for her in this scene. This, 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 this part scene of the is movie. Heart... This part of the movie is heartbreaking for her. Because, mm. yeah, she gets engaged. Because she's got this relationship with her parents, who are obviously very conservative, where mm. she's obviously had an abortion. She's got pregnant very young, had to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And her parents have, like, cut all contact with her and, yeah. like, written her out completely. And so it's only by getting engaged to this kind of suave young doctor that his, mm-hmm. her parents, like, welcome her back into the family which they do mm. uh, it's martin sheen as the plays the dad he's like a lawyer in the area so then they get engaged and leo has yet another career change where he now mm-hmm. switch shifts from being a doctor to being a lawyer he gets a job at the which, dad's law which, firm which, which no one questions no one questions like, 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 like he, he doesn't change character he's the same person yeah yeah um and he's like oh yeah i know i'm a well-established doctor and also i'm a lawyer yeah and also i'm 22 years old or whatever yeah, it's, yeah. It, 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 it is it is definitely a stretch but yeah the confidence trick yeah confidence trick so yeah then he passes the bar exam which becomes like a runner in the film that's the one thing that tom hanks can't figure out is like mm. i understand everything else all the other forgeries all the frauds they all make sense to me mm. how did you pass the bar exam yeah and i love the payoff is i studied yeah i studied and i passed it like i mean he did say i studied for two weeks and i passed it i'm like yeah. what so, sorry two weeks of albeit hard work and you can be a lawyer yeah is, the, is, the, is that it <laughs> well it's left open to interpretation whether that's really the truth or whether it's another lie he tells yeah but i like that i, I like the idea that it's true i like the idea that he's like because this that's the other kind of slight tragedy of the film is that he's so intelligent and if he mm-hmm. hadn't gone down this path of just feeling like all he could all he had to offer was just lying about everything and mm. trying to fake create a fake identity yeah he could have put this energy into becoming like a really mm-hmm. established success he could have been a doctor a lawyer or any of those things yeah. so yeah not that the film has a terribly sad ending for him. Obviously, he makes it in the end. But like, I think that just shows that he has all this potential that he's not actually delivering on in many ways because mm-hmm. he's trapped in this like mode of just constantly like, yeah, faking it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he ends up working as a lawyer with Amy Adams' father, and he's kind of really assimilated into their family for a little while. Mm-hmm. But this is how he gets caught or caught up with because now that he's engaged, and now that obviously he's got a love interest he can't keep changing his name every five minutes anymore yeah uh, so now he's stuck with this frank turner or whatever the name is that he's going by 
And so it's much easier for the FBI to trace him, which they immediately do. Mm-hmm. And of course, they descend on the family home at him and Amy Adams' engagement party. Yeah. And yeah, this scene where Amy Adams, where he sees that Tom Hanks is, and the FBI have turned up mm-hmm. and he's frantically packing his bags, just flinging all these suit briefcases full of more money than Amy Adams has ever mm-hmm. seen in her life. And like frantically explaining, like, I'm not who I said I am. I've lied to you all these times. Oh, just tell her this story. And it's just... Yeah, I was so stressed on her behalf. Like she's mm. having so much as as quite a fragile, obviously, character anyway. She's having so much like dumped on him in this moment. That's a process with like literally the FBI coming up the stairs with yeah. guns. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really felt for her. Poor girl. <laughs> poor girl indeed. So yeah, he makes her. He runs out the window. Jumps out the window and runs away with his suitcases of money. Do you think he actually loved her? I think he's a kid who got in over his head and had the best intentions because mm. he's always trying to create that. I think, I think a, a lot of this part of the film is supposed to mirror the, the story that his dad tells about how his dad met his mom, like in a romantic in France. It's a very romantic, very romanticized story. Mm-hmm. How he meets his mom in France when he's a soldier. And then he impulsively asks her to marry him and then they get married and they've happily ever after. Mm. So I, I think this thing he does with Amy Adams is like his version of that in his own head. He's like, uh, yeah. I'm having this really fairy tale romance, you know, like, yeah. So he's going to impulsively get engaged to her despite it being a terrible idea. And then it all falls apart. So I don't think he's like madly in love with her, but I think he's thinks he's doing it for the right reasons. I don't think he's like just cold heartedly manipulating her. He's trying to create this image in his own head of what he thinks mm. he's supposed to be. And that yeah. includes having a wife Yeah, and you know helping this girl who needs help. So yeah. So he, he, he does, he runs away, but he says, meet me at Miami airport in three days time. Mm-hmm. And he waits for her. But when she turns up, it's very clear that she has cooperated with the FBI and she's like being used to as kind of a pawn to uh, mm. to get him. So he, he he figures that out very quickly. And so he comes up with a plan B because basically the, the police are covering that airport, like everyone in and out. They're expecting it. They're yeah. expecting him to try and get out through the airport. So yeah. there's no in and out. So it's his solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the more... It's a, it feels like a long plan. This feels like this a very one. long con and a bit of a stretch. Yeah. He sets up a fake air hostess recruitment school <laughs> and it's like you just see him in front of this class of teenage girls like i'm gonna choose six of you and we're gonna fly out to new york and what you're gonna be the new six air hostesses and mm-hmm. like have these girls told their parents is this like on yeah. a whim is this a, a one-day thing like what yeah and, and like what's the groundwork to, to pull this scam off what what happens what to- happens to those girls yeah <laughs> so they just get dropped in new york and that's it and they're stuck yeah because the next thing we know He's strut- it's a great shot. Obviously, it's a great scene. Yeah. But yeah, he, the next thing we know, he's recruited these six girls. Mm-hmm. He's put them all in air hostess outfits and they're just strutting through the airport. And of course, because they're all beautiful girls in air hostess outfits, they're drawing all the attention. All the police are so distracted. Mm-hmm. And he's just in the pilot suit in the mid- like in the middle of them, like yeah. a, a, a surrounding circle of them. Yeah. And he's no, like the president and the secret service. Basically, yeah. It's like he's attracting all the attention, but also none of the attention. Mm. Because all eyes are on them, and he's just in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So, but also he's he's also set up a distraction. He's paid some random guy to pull up in a suspicious-looking vehicle yeah. at the same time. Oh so, yeah, yeah. So he pulls off a wearing double, a, a pilot's outfit. Wearing a pilot's outfit. Yeah. So he pulls a double con. So did they? Did Tom Hanks know that he was doing this pilot thing? Not not this pilot thing, but like in general, like pretending to be a pilot and I guess maybe because because if he did then surely he'd just say to the airport, the security, whatever, just like, just check the photo IDs of every pilot. <laughs> yeah. We, know, we know what this guy yeah. looks like. 
just check the fo- like there's a guy posing as a pilot yeah he's stolen millions of dollars this guy will try and get on a plane and sit in the cockpit let me I remind you he is not a pilot do yeah. not let him on a plane it's just no yeah you not, know what not, you know what? at all no deadheads for a while they lose their privileges yeah <laughs> yeah it's not working out this whole deadhead system this buddy system is not working out yeah and the deadheads for a while yeah no yeah. i don't know but he does manage to narrowly escape once again through this diversion and then he, he disappears for like the best part of a year because then it cuts mm. to like eight months later or something but we learn that like we learn that the fbi have kind of like written him off they're like look it's we've not caught him we've spent years trying to do this it, it's gotten us nowhere mm. he's in the wind now whatever just just let it go yeah but tom hanks cannot let it go like, yeah. it's a personal vendetta for him and it is one of those like crime movie cliches where you kind of like is this man taking on any other cases? Yeah. Has this been his sole job for eight years? I've only watched one movie where this has ever been addressed, and that was uh, Zodiac. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, famously also a true story. Yeah. Where a, a, a year or two later, somebody goes to uh, Mark Ruffalo, who is the main detective, and says like, hey, I've got this new evidence on the case or whatever. Like, do you reckon you can do it? He's like, no, I've got a million other cases. <laughs> like, do you think the Zodiac killer is the only killer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly that's something all these movies just presuppose that every there's one cop there's one detective for every major crime yeah and that's just theirs for life then yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> whatever he can't let it go even though the rest of the fbi are kind of like telling him he needs to let it go like you made a fool of yourself you've we was i think we're supposed to believe he's kind of squandered his chances of promotion because he's kind of lost his thrown away his credibility chasing this wild goose chase for all these years mm-hmm. so which is probably why he's so obsessed at this moment. Mm. But in the meantime, he's also, because at some point he interviewed the father and the mother. Yeah. And I think the mother, from the mother, he learned about the the parents' romantic story Mm. uh, about how they met in this little French town during World War II. And I don't know, at some point, Tom Hanks just kind of puts two and two together. Oh, he must be in that same French town. Mm, Yeah. And so he just flies to this French town. Yeah. this, they, they just didn't work out how to finish this. Yeah, at this point, the movie starts just like getting a little bit. You can see the sweat a little bit in some, in terms of getting everything into where it needs to be. Yeah, because it, I don't know that that kind of came out of nowhere, and it was like, why would Leo go to that French town? Yeah, it's never really explained. Like, except maybe he's, I guess we're supposed to think he's just drawn to it. Yeah, unless like he wants to get caught. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we were supposed to believe that he does it on some level because mm. when when he, when Tom Hanks arrives at this little French town. He finds him very easily, and it seems like he's had a complete breakdown at this point. Yeah. He's just, like, running around this printing press that he's set up for fake checks. Yep. Like, at this point, he's got enough money to live on for the rest of his days, surely. Yeah, I guess. He's, he doesn't, he's only continuing to do it because he wants to get caught on some level. Yeah. So he's, like, yeah, he, he's kind of a little bit unhinged, and he's kind of racing around this printing press in just, like, a, a vest. And then Tom Hanks is like, look, there's a bunch of French police outside. If you let me arrest you. You'll live. If you run out there on your own, you will be shot dead immediately. Mm-hmm. And they have this kind of back and forth where again, this, this, this scene I thought was really quite touching because it really showed how Leo's character is like, not just that he's a habitual liar, but he just assumes everyone's a habitual liar. Yeah. The idea of telling the truth in any situation is so alien to him. Well, I think that he was always, I think he always thought of Tom Hanks as he would always tell the truth. Yeah. Like, cause Tom Hanks is by the book. Mm-hmm that's that's his thing in mm. the in this movie that's his thing he's yeah. by the book so the idea of tom hanks telling a lie like when tom hanks says that and leo like he, he really does a big double take just like that sounds like a lie mm. like that's definitely a lie but 
our thing, our relationship is that you don't lie. I mm. do. That's that's the thing. So I'm going to, I just have to believe you. Oh, that's I, interesting because I, I, I interpreted it slightly differently. You might be right. I, I thought it was more like, he was just like, oh no, what's the angle? What's the angle? You, 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 this is this is another lie, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and, and Tom Hanks is like, no, no, no. I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm not like you. I'm not lying. Mm-hmm. I'm telling the truth. And if you don't believe me, you are going to get killed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, either way, we, we get the scene and he, he makes Tom Hanks swear in his daughter's life, mm-hmm. which he does. Uh, and then it turns like, it, it kind of fakes you out where he goes outside and there's nobody there initially. And you think, mm-hmm. oh, Tom Hanks has poured a fast one on him. But then it, it's... Well, he kind of did. Slightly. But then it the, the French police are there because then he gets dragged away to this like Dickensian French prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um Well, yeah, I mean, Tom Hanks definitely did uh, pull a fast one there because if Leo had run out of that building, mm. he would have got away potentially because yeah. there were no ple- there was nobody outside. But they were they t- they turned up. I think they, they were like, they, watching they, the building. They, they turned up a short while later. But like, mm. well, why not just go and park outside the building anyway? Well, maybe I don't Tom know. Hanks is saying like, look, if you run out there, they're going to shoot you dead immediately. True. And Leo's thinking, if I run out there, I can just run away. Yeah. And like I could probably outrun Tom Hanks. Yeah, sure. Which I was kind of disappointed it didn't come down to just that. An actual chase scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just the two of them running after each other. I mean, Leo's got a good 20 years on Tom Hanks. It would be a bit one-sided. Like true, true. How is it that we're always talking on Christmas? Oh, every Christmas, I'm talking to you! Put the shirt on, <laughs> Frank. You're under arrest. Hey, are you hungry? Do you want some beans, Carl? They got the best French beans here. There's two dozen French police officers outside. Carl, I gotta tell you, they're delicious. They wanted to bring you in. You want a bite? They want the help of an American. Are you hungry? You want a bite? But I told them I wouldn't bring them to you unless I could put the cuffs on you myself. Oh, you have a gun? You have a gun? No gun? No. No gun. And and, and you tell me what there's up. There's there's two dozen French police officers out there right now on Christmas Eve. That's what you're telling me? Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, there's no windows here. I'm going to take a look out the front door. No, no. I told him I'd walk out first and give a signal. Here, you can put these on yourself. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know why? Because I think you're full of shit. I don't don't think there's anyone else out there. I think think it's just me and you. That's right. I think it's just me and you. And you know what? You're going to have to catch me yourself. So yeah, so whenever he goes to French prison, I guess for a while, because in the meantime, he grows this like very ratty wig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he goes to French prison for a while and then he, he almost dies due to the poor conditions. This is where he gets that terrible illness. And then we can't, the movie can't... What do the French have against him? I don't know. He's what, not... what, what did he do to the French to piss them off so much that he nearly dies in their prison? That is a good point, yeah. I guess maybe from the printing press that he's working in when Tom Hanks finds him, maybe he's still cashing bad checks in France, I guess. He's still playing the same game. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels like there's like a Russell Crowe's off screen. Like, <laughs> he's like Javert, just like, I'm going I'm to get you. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the film kind of catches up with itself now. We're back to the beginning. See, you do like that film. It, it's very easily, easily referenced. It's memorable. I'll give it that. Okay, I, I memorable, hate, I, memorable. I still hate it. But, um, <laughs> I love it. I know you do. Honey. It's so weird, stupid. Weirdo. So the film catches up with itself. Now Tom Hanks is flying... DiCaprio back to America to face mm-hmm. his trial, to face face justice. Yeah. And on the plane back, he breaks the news to Frank that Frank's father has actually died, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, who's kind of popped up. We haven't talked about it much, but Chris Walken pops up every so often in this film because mm-hmm. throughout his criminal enterprise, Frank is writing these kind of delusional letters to him saying like, mm-hmm. I've made enough, I'm an, like not telling him that he's a criminal, but saying like, oh, I'm, I'm training as an airline pilot. Now I'm retraining as a doctor. Just like yeah. all these like far-fetched tales yeah. and being like, 
I'm going to take you with mom on holiday to Hawaii. Tell us to buy a nice new dress and a swimsuit and all this like crazy stuff that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, you see that they have a couple of like meetings, don't they? I think mm-hmm. maybe, maybe only one actually. There's one, there's one scene no, where they meet two. up in the bar. Yeah. Uh, and Christ- and he's like trying to spin his whole life story to Christopher Walken and Christopher Walken is clearly... There's another one where they go out for dinner and he, he gives him a Cadillac. Yes, yeah. So he's he's spending all this money on his mm. trying to like get his dad to, you know, see that he's become the man that he thinks he needs to be. And Christopher mm-hmm. Walken's kind of so far gone in his own self delusions that he doesn't really seem like he's like he's, he's protective of his son. He he, mm. he won't sell yeah. it out, but like he's also kind of yeah. He can't admit to his son, look, my the marriage to your mother is long over. Like she's mm. remarried someone else. Yeah, he can't admit any of those failings. So it just never yeah. quite comes together for them. And then on this fl- flight back, Tom Hanks breaks the news that Christopher Walken has died. Mm-hmm. Frank takes this incredibly badly as like mm-hmm. a, a freak out. He goes into the toilet cubicle mm-hmm. and as the plane is landing, he makes yet another escape. Attempt. Yeah. Well, a successful escape. Yeah, completely. This is the most puzzling. How did he get out of that? Can you really <laughs> climb out of a, to- a, a toilet cubicle? I guess you just climb into the workings of the plane. And yeah. Maybe he was just like, I don't know if this will work, but if I can get under here... Then maybe it seems like a Darwin award winner. That's how you you just end up choking on like fecal matter, like wedged into a toilet cubicle. I mean, he's not crawling down the pipe. Mm. Like he's crawling down next to the pipe. Oh yeah, sure. Um, And so, yeah, maybe he's just thinking, get into the work, into the plane, find my way to the landing gear. um, And uh, yeah. It works. It works. He hops out of the plane, like literally from the bottom, jump, hops off the wheel. As it's landing. Yeah, as it's landing. Like like the plane is still moving. Yeah, very much balls of steel, yeah jumps out the plane, escapes the airport, runs all the way to his mum's new house. Mm-hmm. And then he, we get this scene that's lifted right out of Hook. Yeah. <laughs> like this, this is when it got very Spielberg where he's like, mm-hmm. do you remember that scene in Hook when Peter Pan goes back after, after he's been a lost boy and he's, he's mm-hmm. he goes back to see his mum and, and she's like had another baby and like she's mm-hmm. forgotten about him and it's really sad. Yeah. It's literally that scene. Yeah. It's him like going to his mum's window and looking through the window and seeing his, his mum has had this little girl mm-hmm. and she's like... You know, idyllically sewing, knitting something in the corner in a little rocking chair. And it's like, oh, she doesn't mm-hmm. need me anymore. And he just, he starts crying. And then Tom Hanks turns up and takes him away to jail. That's why I always think of Maggie Smith as, she just reminds me of my mum. Maggie Smith, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think Maggie Smith's a fair bit older than your mother, but. Yeah, I know. But... I know what you mean. <laughs> I, still, I, I, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, although Wendy wasn't Peter Pan's mum. Yeah, it, it was just it, that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Okay, sure. So. <laughs> Are you saying you wished? I oh, no no. I wasn't seeing it for as, as like myself as Peter Pan. I was just seeing like, you know, a mother sitting in a rocking chair knitting in a very idyllic thing. A mother figure, sure. Yeah. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. You don't uh, have to question every little thing that I say. Okay, sorry, little, little Maggie Smith thing go. Um, bitch. <laughs> so yeah, so then he goes to jail and he is convicted. Obviously, he's sentenced to twelve years in maximum security jail. Mm-hmm. Also in solitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in maximum security, high solitude prison, whatever that's called. Yeah. But Tom Hanks, uh, Carl Hanras, he stays in touch with him and he kind of visits him now and then. He kind of asks mm-hmm. him about cases he's working on and he comes to realize that Frank is this, not just this criminal, but also this kind of criminal genius. He's mm-hmm. really good on this, you know, all this fraud and check forgery stuff. He's, he's got mm-hmm. a really good mind for it and he's, he's, he can see it immediately. And so he is kind of intrigued by this and he convinces the FBI to let Frank serve out the rest of his sentence working on their fraud unit. Mm-hmm. So Carl is released. Frank is released. Sorry. So Frank is released from jail under Tom Hanks's care, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, 
basically he, he's like responsible for him. Yeah. And he joins the FBI. Yeah. But he's having a really hard time adopting because he's spent his entire life basically on the run and like lying. And now he's having to like live the straight and narrow mm. and he really struggles to come to terms with that. And he doesn't know how to kind of like deal with it day to day. And yeah, we get this scene when he, he, on the weekend, he doesn't know what to do. He's like left with his own thoughts and he's never had that before. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to run away. He tries his old tricks. He rents a pilot's outfit and starts and plans to leave on the, to like deadhead again or to like stow yeah. away. And uh, yeah, we get this great sequence where Tom Hanks kind of confronts him at the airport and says, mm-hmm. look, if you want to go, go. I'm not, nobody, nobody's chasing you, mm-hmm. but you've got nothing to run to and nothing to run from. Mm-hmm. So you'd only be throwing everything away and going back to jail. Yeah. There's no point. This is self-defeating. But yeah. It's your call. And uh, yeah, and he does it. I mean, I guess he does go away for the weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tom Hanks just walks away and lets him go. He doesn't come back Monday morning. It's like late It's morning. late, yeah. I think he, I think his flight was delayed back, yeah. Mm. But ultimately he makes the, the adult choice and he, he comes back in and he then we get the the closing credits where it kind of has classic Spielberg. Here's what really happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. It says that this guy, Frank Abernathy, then ended up working for the FBI for 26 years. Abernathy. What was it? Abignale. 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 They say his name like 50 sorry, million times sorry. in Frank the movie. Abignale. I'm sorry. Abignathy is something else. Abig- Abignale. Yeah. Whatever his name is, he <laughs> was an FBI agent for 26 years. He got married, had kids. He lived happily ever after the end. Boom. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Don't question me. <laughs> yeah. There uh, you go. Yeah. So that's company if you can. Yeah. It's a good film. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Good old Spielbergian yarn, yeah. Because you've not stopped talking for like an hour and nine. You've barely taken a breath. It's a lot of plots. (laughs) It's a lot of plots to get through, my God. It's a long film. Yeah, it is. Listen, I'm sorry I put you through all this. You go back to Europe, you're going to die in Pepignan prison. Try to run here in the States, we'll send you back to Atlanta for 50 years. I know that. I spent four years trying to arrange your release. Had to convince my bosses at the FBI and the Attorney General of the United States you wouldn't run. Why'd you do it? You're just a kid. I'm not your kid. You said you were going to Chicago. My daughter can't see me this weekend. She's going skiing. You said she was four years old. You're lying. She was four when I left. Now she's 15. My wife's been remarried for 11 years. I see Grace every now and again. I don't understand. Sure you do. Sometimes it's easier living the lie. I'm going to let you fly tonight, Frank. I'm even going to try to stop you. Because I know you'll be back on Monday. Yeah. How do you know I'll come back? Look. Frank. Nobody's chasing you. So drinking games? Yes. So drink whenever they play the theme tune. Sure. I mean, it's a classic Spielberg score. What's the, what's the uh, John Williams. John Will- A classic John Williams score. Yeah. See, I didn't think it was John Williams initially. Like, really? Because so I remember that I, I've not seen this film for about 15, 20 years. Sure. I remember it had a really good intro, mm-hmm. like a great animation, but oh, I just yeah, kind, kind of, of forgot what it was. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, then this intro happens and it is great. It's a whole... It basically spoils the whole plot of the movie if you really pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which I really like. Yeah, um, no, me too, yeah. Yeah, so that's fun. And the music, it doesn't sound like John Williams' music. It's not like, yeah, I say in, classic in, in, John in, Williams. Initially, like later in the movie, it's like, yeah. oh, this is this sounds exactly like John Williams. Yeah. This is just, stand, it's, it's boring John Williams. But then like 
the intro is great. Yeah. And uh, they replay it many times in the movie. Yeah, you're right. No, when I say classic John Williams, you're right. It's not necessarily like a run-of-the-mill John Williams score. It's more like it's classic in the sense that when Spielberg does movies, his scores are like their own characters. And they yeah. really come in and out a lot. And this the score is like a, a real character in this film. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Drink for a wig. Okay. This sure. is one of the wiggiest movies we've watched in quite some time. <laughs> some of them might actually just be different hairstyles, but Leo's hairstyle changes pretty much scene to scene. Mm-hmm. And he's got some very distracting wig work going on, especially in like the with when they make him look super young and super and then when he's like in prison in the French prison as well. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of scenes when his hairline is very distracting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that about his French wig. No good. Yeah. No, the French wig was awful. Yeah. Um to go back to the last one, John Williams was nominated for this one. Oh, good. He, he, he didn't win. Uh, yeah, this film didn't get a lot of Oscar nominations. No, it was just him and uh, John Chris- Williams and Christopher Walken. That was it, yeah. That, that was it, yeah. So, not even Leo. Not even Leo, no. Couldn't catch a break. <laughs> um, drunk for the mouse story. Oh, yes. Every time that mouse story gets wheeled out, yes. Yeah. This, this is Christopher Walken's standard uh, aspirational story that his son then kind of recycles multiple times in the film. Makes you wonder, how many times Christopher Walken said it? Oh, a lot. It's like when he gets up at the start, he's getting given an award and yeah. you're all his friends there, everyone he knows, and he tells this story. He just randomly drops this story. Yeah, yeah and you've you got to think, like, how many people in this room have heard this story 20 million times? Probably, yeah. He seems like the kind of guy who tells the, st- the same stories over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink for a costume change. Sure, yes. Leo has so many costume changes, obviously because he's constantly changing his whole persona and his character. Mm. You could definitely get a very... Yeah, very tipsy taking a drink every time he changes to a new costume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, drink every time Leo escapes from a situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the title of the movie. Catch me if you can. Absolutely, but yeah. He definitely makes many an escape. I mean, I feel like the the, the escape from the plane is like maybe one too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, he's just a, a wizard. But yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, my favorite one was definitely just the, the, the long game that he played to get in and out of, of Miami airport. Yeah, sure. Like recruiting six young girls. Yeah. I really want to know what happened next in that story. For, to, 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 to those, girls. those girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got their own stories for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did any of them go on to become um, flight attendants? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the phone call home. Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something really bad happened. I mean, yeah. like the entire school got, got, got done there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, that's it. The parents of these poor girls could sue that school for... Yeah. All the money in the world. Yeah, yeah. Their poor daughters have been taken in and like flown to God knows where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if they even got on a plane, maybe he just got to like the boarding deck and was like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See girls wait right here. Oh, shit. They'd yeah. panic though. You'd panic, wouldn't you? You would, yeah. You'd cause a scene, yeah. Yeah, it's a oh. tricky one. How do you keep six young girls from not panicking in that situation? Well... They wouldn't panic until he leaves, and by, yeah, by, but I mean, like, if point, yeah, by which point he's not going to care. True, true, true. But I mean, like, yeah, at what point does he ditch them without them panicking? Yeah, yeah. God, I just don't know. No, weird. Very weird. Yeah, mm. very good. Uh, drink for Spielbergisms. Oh yeah, it sure. is. You know, there are certainly things you can spot in a Spielberg movie that are like, yeah, that's a Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the the scene that's literally just Hook, just yeah. that, that really took me out for a moment. I was like, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks generally appearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know this is the only Leonardo DiCaprio um, Spielberg? I was just thinking that. Yeah, you'd think they'd have done more, wouldn't you? Mm. But no, just the one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, drink whenever you see a check. I was yeah. That's my next one. Drink every time he writes a check or offers to write a check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
in the first half, every time he offers Dorit a check, that will get you blasted. And it's like every every other scene he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably written check. three checks in my life. No, to be honest, so have I. Checks, <laughs> even, even, checks were going out even when I was first getting, you know, my first bank account. Really? But you're older than this film. I know. I literally am older than this film. But uh, yeah, no, checks are useless. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I've really used to check for is like to pay a deposit on a flat. That's not it, really. Right, yeah. Yeah, they're not really very useful. No. Uh, and, and, and as this film has amply demonstrated, they are not very secure. No. <laughs> they, are ter- they are, you know, especially in the pre-internet age, they, mm-hmm. they were an incredibly insecure way of managing money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Try and pay... Try going into a shop now and paying with a check. You'll get short shrift... <laughs> You'll immediately get like the detectives on you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My last one. Drink for a TV or film reference. Sure. Yeah. Obviously there's the bond scene, but mm-hmm. there's also, he learns everything he needs to know from, um, from the doctor's show. Oh yeah. He's watching that weird, there's the show at the beginning, obviously the quiz show he's on mm-hmm. where he's free of one or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a, there's the scene with Amy Adams's family as well. when he's trying to like fit in with the family by singing the theme tune to a song. He's Oh, yeah. to, a, to a TV show he's clearly never seen in his life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, lots of TV and film in this. Um, yeah, so I've also got drink whenever he speaks to a new woman. Yes, yes, sure. Um, plenty of those. Drink every time a future famous woman shows up in this film. Definitely, yeah. Um, drink if he tells a lie. So Harry, that's the that's just water falling a two and a half hour film. That will put <laughs> you in the hospital for sure. Drink whenever somebody says Pan Am. Yes. Or drink for him and Tom Hanks phone calling each other. Yeah, that's only there's only a handful of those, but yeah. Oh, and drink when they mention Christmas. Drink. Oh yes, that does beg the eternal question: Is Catch Me If You Can a Christmas movie? Oh, oh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. Yes. I feel like you could watch this at Christmas and be like, "Yeah, this is there's something." This could definitely if not be a, festive. This then. could definitely be a Christmas favorite. Yeah, I could see watching this. It's family friendly, more or yeah. less. You could watch this with your parents and not be too embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 got warm and fuzzy bits and mm-hmm. it's long enough that you can watch it after a big meal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm gonna say this is a christmas I, be- I believe it was released at christmas as well all right okay yeah. came cool. out at the same time as gangs of new york interesting like within weeks of each other interesting so, yeah yeah it's also interesting it this must have been a weird weird one when it came out because it and gangs of new york both came out quite soon after 9 11 yeah so gangs of new york had a big thing in it because it was you know, it's new york yeah and uh yeah this one because there's a lot of just like you know blagging your way onto flights <laughs> that's a good point yes. <laughs> some, sorry someone had to say it that is true that didn't occur to me right in 2002 that must have been a very like that would have been like well too soon too yeah soon. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> well this i hadn't thought of this this must be another one where you can drink for a non-white person i, I saw one it's the one I I don't think I saw it's, any. It's, it's a jazz singer, of course it is. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's on camera for all of about a second, maybe okay. two. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. very white white world once again for it this is. one. Yeah, so. it is. Um, a shame, really, because there's no reason why this needed to be. No, no. In the sixties, you could definitely have had like some characters, you know. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Was it set in the sixties? Mostly, yeah. Predominantly sixty three to sixty nine. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, because I feel like they didn't dwell on when it was set too much. Not especially, no. Not they often... I mean, Forrest Gump... Some of the outfits. Forrest Gump's quite the extreme version of this, but I often find that films, when they're in the 60s, they're really like, hey, it's the 60s, man. Uh, yeah, and it's like, love. like... We're on the moon. Martin Luther King, yeah. It's, yeah. Every, it's really like everything's the 60s. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's, but there was, there was nothing in no. this. Well, I think it's because, like, Frank's character is just, like, 
not living in the world. He's just this mm. isolated person who's not like, he probably never really watches the news or anything. He's like, no, he doesn't no. engage with the world around him. Mm. So maybe that's why he's kind of out of time. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. The only real tell is the costumes that a lot of women wear. That's mm. kind of the main thing that makes it look 60s. Other than that, it could be any time. Yeah. yeah. And the technology and lack thereof, I guess. Yeah. Bonjour tout le monde, I'm Finn, and every Tuesday I host a podcast called Passport People, in which I talk to people from around the world about the places that matter to them. What is so special about each location? What makes each place tick? Where are they headed? To join us on our round the world trip, talking to a diverse range of fascinating people from an incredible variety of professional and cultural backgrounds, search for Passport People in Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, cool. Okay. Um, do you want to get some sequels? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, I can do. Yeah. So I've got two very small ideas and one slightly more fleshed out, but not super long one. Okay. So okay. My first one. This one doesn't feature focus particularly on Frank. Mm. Uh, this is kind of picking up from Amy Adams's perspective a little bit because okay. we mentioned she has a very sad arc in this film and she kind of gets screwed over. <laughs> you know, mm. she she falls in love with this seemingly suave doctor only to learn that he's ten years younger than he says he is, mm-hmm. and he runs away and leaves her with the FBI all over her house. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's very stressful. So let's pick up immediately afterwards. Like he, Frank's done a runner. Tom Hanks and all the other FBI are in there. They're telling her what's going on. And she's, you know, she's processing all this news. What my, my fiance is a liar. He, he, he's not who he says he is. His, his name isn't what he said his name was. He's stolen millions and millions of dollars. He's a fraudster. And he's, yeah. And he's also 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I had sex with him. Oh my <laughs> God. I, there's a lot for this poor woman to process. So she's obviously deeply traumatized. Her parents are obviously going to be not very supportive because they don't seem like, you know, they, d- they ditched her after that abortion, so clearly they're not the most supportive parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm thinking, you know, she has this horrible night, you know, of, bit of learning all of this. And eventually, you know, and then the FBI say, look, we're going to ask you to come in tomorrow to discuss what to do next because, you know, we're going to need you to help track him down. Because you know, mm-hmm. she must have told them, oh, we said to meet me or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe she hasn't said that yet. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it all dies down. She's not arrested. She's done nothing wrong, obviously. She's free. Mm-hmm. So... The FBI, once they've established that he's definitely like left the premises, they all leave. The parents go to bed. She's left in her bedroom, devastated, you know, crying her eyes out, whatever. Mm. And then she goes to, she notices that there's still a suitcase on the ground. Right. Because okay. in that scene, Frank is frantically filling, like grabbing suitcases, all mm. filled with mil- hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in cash. Yeah. So I'm thinking, what if in his rush, in his hurry, because he's got so much, mm. he forgets one. Right, okay. And yeah, nobody yeah. really notices because they don't really put two and two. They're not searching for the money. They're just searching for him. I mean, you could also say, I I thought this at the time, mm. um, that rather than just she finds one on the ground, she just, you know, she remembers that like, well, he grabbed one down from the, from the top of the bed. Yeah, it could be up above and the then, bed, and, yeah. and, and then he grabbed another one down. Mm. Like, how many are actually up there? Yeah, that makes more sense if and she that, actually... And maybe there's like three more. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. That actually makes more sense if she looks above the bed and finds that he didn't have time to grab them all. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just thinking that yes, yeah, she finds a suitcase now filled with money, mm-hmm. and she doesn't tell anyone. But now she's rich beyond her wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a lot of money as well. It is a lot of money, but also she yeah. can't really. You know, she she's being what at this stage she's very closely connected to a major crime, so she knows she can't oh, go yeah, out. Of just, she can't just go out tomorrow and like be like woohoo, you yeah. know. I mean, I mean, all fair. Um, I took out 
£240 today because okay. I need to just take out some money to pay for the caterers for the wedding. Okay. £800. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, like, right, I'll be a ward like that thick. It's really like, not. It's no. nothing. It's which like, means yeah. that when it's like, there's a suitcase of money like that, that is a lot. That's that hundreds is, of thousands. It is, yeah. It's an insane amount of money. Yeah. Like, the 200 quid that I've got is like that much. I know. I know. It's yeah. so small. It's mm. insane. Were you disappointed? Well, I'll just have to keep taking more and more money out until I'm until I'm satisfied. Yeah, that, that seems like a plan that has no downsides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So anyway, so she's got all this money now, and yeah, maybe she uses it to kind of you know, maybe she uses it to kind of better herself a little bit. But she, she has to be very careful at least initially. Uh, but she, maybe she uses it to like rebuild her life a little bit. Mm. Um, but then I'm thinking, sometime later, maybe a couple of years later, she's watching TV, and she sees that quiz show. Right, Frank's okay. only that three, yeah. three, three in one, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, two lies and a truth kind of show. Mm-hmm. So she sees Frank, her ex-husband, on that, and she's like furious. She's like, he ditched me, mm-hmm. and now he's got away with everything, and now he's like a local celebrity. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, then she takes her money and travels to New York to kind of track him down and get her revenge. Quick question: Yeah, if there's some kind of situation which you are left with a briefcase full of money, yeah, like. You, you don't know how much it is, but, you know, it's presumably hundreds of thousands or, you know, maybe even a million. Yeah. Um, and it's in one briefcase. And you know that is it's that money is not going to get tracked. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's essentially clean money. OK. What do you do? Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. What do you what, what It do seems you... like a loaded question. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's that briefcase. Are you in a situation uh, that you're not telling me about? No, no. Are you in, no, are you in no, over no. your head, Harry? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, but yeah, like, what would you? Or, or no, actually, it's more interesting if it's money you know that you can't do anything with immediately, which I guess is her situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you do with it? Do you bury it? I think I'd spend... write a little map with an X. I think I'd spend it very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Just always have cash in your wallet. Yeah, basically. Okay. Is that what you're doing? Is that is that how is that how you're so rich? That's how I that's how I'm living. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah, okay. Robbing banks and yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I guess if you just did it like that, then you could just live off it. Yeah, that's the thing. He could have stopped at any time, and I, I yeah. guess the point of the film is that he wants he can't stop because he's addicted to. Mm. It's not the it doesn't seem that's the thing. The film never shows you a single scene of him just enjoying being rich. Mm. You know, there's none of that at all. If anything, it doesn't seem like it makes him happy in the slightest. It's no. just. It's just a life, a cycle he gets stuck into, and then he's just running and running and running until he can mm-hmm. churn that butter, I guess. And he never, yeah. he never does. Well, I guess he does at the end, but yeah. Um, Where would he hide your money? Uh, I'm trying not to look at any particular <laughs> points in my room right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Why are the questions? <laughs> no reason. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I'll probably bury it somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. I've got my, I've got my places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on to sequel number two. <laughs> So that was uh, that was all I had for that. But I just thought the idea that if Amy hadn't ended up with that money, right, and then used it to track him down. Mm-hmm. So that is a catch me if you can to catch that no good man. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second one. This is very short. Is um, what happens if so at the end of the original film, Frank has got this job working for the FBI. He's got this desk job. He's he's all legit. Mm-hmm. He does that for a few years, but he starts getting a little bit bored after mm-hmm. a while. You know. He's still got to serve his time out, but you know he's he's lost the passion a little bit. So he starts looking at other passion projects that he can get into, and he realizes that one thing he's incredibly good at, as well as you know fraud and check forging, mm. is storytelling. 
right? Okay. Because he, he's spent his entire life telling stories about himself, you know, that mm-hmm. aren't true. Uh, and so he starts... A career of narrating books. He's, well, he starts a career of making films. Okay. He makes yeah. a little... He makes, and he, he kind of tricks his way into a Hollywood studio. <laughs> he, fakes his, he fakes his way into a Hollywood studio mm-hmm. and uh, ends up kind of ends up kind of scamming his way into getting a production deal to actually direct some TV mm-hmm. and then works his way up to film and uh, makes a few little low budget films here and then, then makes bigger and bigger films and ends up as Steven Spielberg. Right. Okay. Cause that is how <laughs> Steven, you know, Steven Spielberg, he famously makes quite autobiographical films, like loads mm-hmm. of films about uh, a load of his films were about divorce and about like the effect divorce has on children. Cause he was a child of divorce. You know, mm-hmm. it's a huge thing for a lot of his films. And yeah, no, but as a kid, he, as a young man, he got into directing by, yeah, scamming his way into a studio and right. just like pretending to pretending he worked there and just kind of turned up every day nice. until eventually someone was like, "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. And then he had to, I think he had to confess, and then eventually he managed to get an apprenticeship and landed mm-hmm. himself like some small TV directing gigs and then worked his way up to being, you know, next thing you know, it's ET and Close Encounters, you know, mm-hmm. so ha- that's how it happened for him. So. What this whole thing is like an autobiographical Steven Spielberg origin story. Yeah. 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 No, I like that. That's all I had for that, but I just thought it was you know, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that would be uh, Catch Me If You Can to King of Hollywood. Nice. Did you say you had two small ones and a big one? Yes. So all right. Well, one. I'm going to come in with mine now because I've only got some small ones. Okay. I'll finish with my big My big one's not that big, but uh, so to speak. Well, but, uh, yeah. I'll, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. It's like a penis joke. It's, it's very, it's not like a penis joke. It is very much a penis joke. There's no <laughs> layers to that one. <laughs> Okay, well, I've got a few small ones and then, and then uh, a couple of medium ones. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I've got to get my wordplay out. Of course, naturally. Yeah. Um, so, I've got to catch bees if you can. Catch bees if you can. So, you're yeah. just a beekeeper. Yeah, basically. Okay, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bees? Catch, catch fleas if you can. Okay, is this just, uh, are you just running through the animals now? <laughs> uh, the, the, there's very few that actually rhyme. So, uh, no. I've got to catch flea if you can, as in like the basis from the chili peppers. So, the, re- the basis from the chili peppers goes on the on the lamb. Goes on the run. Yeah, and the rest, Tom the re- Hanks rest, has to rest, chase rest, him down. Yeah. No, nah, I'm thinking the rest of the band. Oh, okay. It's like a chili peppers movie, like a yeah. chili peppers romp. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. Of course you would. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, catch we if you can. Catch wee if you can. Yeah, yeah. Is that a sex tape or is it just like a no, grammatical thing? No, catching small things. What are you thinking about? Oh, okay, fine. Okay. You, you weirdo. Um, catch rupees if you can. Catch rupees. Is that a Zelda game? No, I'm thinking like a, a an Indian game show. Oh, okay. Just catch as much money as you can. Okay, sure. And uh, last one I got there is cooch me if you can. Cooch that sounds be, cooch sexual. Be, cooch being like the Welsh word for hug or something. Oh, 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 the... C W A T H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, that's cute. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's all those. Okay, I'm glad you got that your system. Thank you. So this one is called Catch You If I Can. Catch You If I Can. That so uh, the gra- uh, grammar's all over the place. Yeah, I know. It's it's a, it's a difficult one to say. It just throws you off because you're so yeah. used to the other one. Mm-hmm. So a fair while later, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks um, is in his retirement on his FBI pension. Sure. But guess what? Government jobs actually have terrible pensions. I can well imagine. So Tommy H, he's struggling to Tommy, cash. Nobody calls him Tommy H. You can't do that. No. Nobody calls Tom Hanks Tommy H. Okay, okay. That sounds like his like ill-fated rap pseudonym from the 80s, Tommy H. <laughs> My name is Tommy H and I'm here to say. <laughs> oh, great. Well, uh, so Tommy H is struggling for cash. Mm-hmm. 
He's crunched the numbers and he knows he's got enough money to last him until he's about 70. Is this actual Tom Hanks or the character in Catch Me If You Can? Uh, the character. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, he's got about enough money to last him until he's about 70. Sure. So, you know, not enough. Mm-hmm. Maybe the divorce had some very bad contract negotiations or something like that. Okay, sure. Yeah. Either way, he's tied up. So what does he do? He looks at his skill set, everything he's picked up over his career, and he decides a life of crime will get him through. Okay, well, after all those years of being straight as an arrow, mm-hmm. now he's going to turn to a life of crime at the age of 70. Yeah. Sure, how could it fail? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. So he starts forging checks. Okay. He's probably picked up a few skills. I mean, talk about shitting where you eat, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he's feeling a bit bitter because the FBI are just giving him such a terrible pension okay. that he's like, well, you know what? I'll give them my career and they're giving me nothing, so fuck them. Okay. He's gone rogue. Maybe. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. okay. So, yeah. Meanwhile, Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. has worked his way up the Lenny FBI. Lenny D. Yeah. <laughs> He's worked his way up the FBI a little and is now the head of the fraud department. Okay. Oh, so this is just like a complete role reversal movie, essentially. Yes. He and his team hear word of a new criminal doing the rounds. Mm-hmm. He seems to know every trick in the book when it comes to FBI protocol. Okay. He keeps slipping them at every turn because okay. he always knows what they're going to do. Ah, Okay. That's where I got to, really. Okay, I like that. So, yeah, it, it's a role reversal with an aged Tom Hanks as a pensionable criminal. Yeah. Could be like an Expendables. He could be like a supporting character on an Expendables movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's that, that's all I have for that one. Cool. Um, and then the, the last one I've got, which is a completely different idea, it picks up immediately after the original. Mm-hmm. So, Leo, still young somehow, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he uncovers more and more evidence about this fraudster at the end of the original. Remember, okay. they were looking at a track and just like, wow, this I don't know how this guy's done it. Oh, like so yeah, the, so the, at the end of the film, he's helping Tom Hanks to investigate a specific, very mm. sophisticated fraudster. Yeah. And we never really found out what that is. So this is picking that up. Okay. Yeah. But we don't see, see much about it. Like, you get, they get more evidence about this fraudster enough to actually put him behind bars. Okay. So consider that case closed. Right. But also enough to show that this guy is likely a better fraudster than Leonardo DiCaprio is. Okay. And does that kind of make him feel a little bit... Yeah, his eyes twitching. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He can't take it. He misses the days of the chase and mm-hmm. the days of being the FBI's most wanted. Sure. So, of course, he goes back to a life of crime. But also, he keeps his job at the FBI. Oh, he's a double agent. So, deliberately, he's heading up the case where he's actually chasing himself. Oh, okay. I like that. I've called it Catch Me If I Can. Catch Me If I Can. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he's living a complete double life and having to hide that from Tom Hanks. He's obviously going to be watching him. Yeah, so I'm thinking there could be a lot of things where like, oh God, we we know that this guy's going to be in Miami. Mm. So let's all go to Miami. Mm. And by him going to Miami, he's like, okay, well now I'm here. Now I can do my little scam or whatever. He's always got to be one step ahead of himself. Yeah. But he's got to make it believable that he's making progress on the case. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's good. That could also be, you could could also be really stressful. Yeah. Especially if like Tom Hanks comes to just sort of see how he's getting on and just like, yeah, well, I think we're getting close to this guy. And then like, there's no evidence anywhere because Leo can't get a moment away from Tom Hanks to do his dirty dealings. Mm -hmm. So like, well, Actually, Leo, why are you chasing? There's there's nothing here to show. What, what what's what's going on here? And so then he's like, Oh God, I'm gonna get pulled off this case. But if I get pulled off this case, then I can't do all the things. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it's just a different way to run from the FBI I by like essentially the... making up work. I like that. I like that. You're right. I think that would be very very stressful. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a character in in pursuit of himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I like that one a lot. That's. Uh... That's got potential. Yeah. Yeah. So catch me if I can. Catch me if I can. Sure. Very good. 
Okay, so my last one, it's not that long. Okay. But uh, again, it's not based on the Frank character. It picks up on a supporting character. In this case, it By is... By the way, I just want to um, point out with both my ideas. I know that that uh, they're both opposites of words in the title, mm-hmm. but that's not where I came up with the ideas. You got the ideas first, then the title, sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I didn't think like, well, what's the opposite of catch me if I can, which is often the route that I take. Sure. But in this case, just want to point out... Okay, didn't. inspiration came first. That's fine. So, hey, whatever gets you there. Yeah. <laughs> whatever gets you there. So this one picks up, uh, this one doesn't follow Frank. This follows another very minor supporting character. This time it is, uh, it's Jennifer Garner. Okay. Because her one scene, she's got this one scene in the original film as a prostitute who gets ripped off by Frank. Mm. And I felt really bad for her character because that's, that's not a good day for her, you know. Uh, but also I thought that her character, it was interesting how easily her character was ripped off. And like you said, her character as the prostitute felt like she was, it, it didn't feel like, she was an established prostitute, if you know what I mean. Mm. It felt like she was quite naive. So it kind of made me think, what if she's like the female version of him? Right, okay. Like she's at the beginning of her career learning how to be a scammer as well. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it could be this kind of a similar story, but from a female perspective where maybe she runs away from home for reasons. Maybe she's mm. got like parental problems, whatever. Ends up in New York, uh, you know, run away from a troubled home. Ends up in New York as a naive but very sexy teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, as, a, as a woman, she's on, got even fewer opportunities than... Leo does to, you know, make ends meet. So unfortunately she has to turn to prostitution to survive. Right. Maybe like, rather than like, like obviously a lot of prostitutes end up with pimps and stuff and it gets very dark, mm. but I'm thinking maybe, maybe she's run away from like a very rich family and maybe she stole a few of her mum's like best dresses and furs and like, you know, fancy mm. clothes before she ran away. So she's got those at least. And so she tries to like, maybe Leo's the first, maybe she just, maybe she's like at a really low point when she runs into Leo in yeah. the original film. And she's like, oh, she really needs money. She's at a desperate point. And, and, you know, she's really weighing up what she can do. And she's like, okay, this rich businessman who she thinks he is, mm-hmm. she's like, okay. And, I, and he's, he's not the, the worst looking guy in the world. Let's be honest. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so she's just like, well, maybe I could live with this. You know? mm-hmm. So he's the first person she tries this, you know, to be a prostitute thing with. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's not very good at it in terms of the business negotiation, because she's, she's not established. She's not mm. learned the technique. So she is just kind of clumsily going, how much would you pay to have sex with me? <laughs> I'm a joking. I'm a not. Give me the money. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, that. <laughs> yeah. it's that, you know? Yeah. And so obviously what happens happens and she, she accepts, she foolishly accepts a check, which again is, that was a real red flag to me that this girl doesn't know what she's doing. Cause mm. what's the first rule of prostitution? You always take the money up front. Yes. Always. Yeah. So, um, hard learned lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, <laughs> so obviously, you know, the next, when she realizes when the check bounces and she's been screwed over, not only has she not, has she had sex for free, but she's now 400 pounds even more in debt than she was before. So mm-hmm. she's, it, it's a bad time for her. So she's devastated and it puts in a really bad position, but also it teaches her a very valuable lesson. Well, yep. several, mainly take the money up front, yeah. but also it hardens her a little bit. And she's like, okay, I need to be tougher if I'm going to survive in this game. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives her a better kind of, skill set then to kind of continue to use her sexual magnetism to kind of not only attract wealthy businessmen and sleep with them as a prostitute, mm-hmm. but also now she's now that one of them has like screwed her over, she's got no moral compunction whatsoever about not only sleeping with them, but then stealing from them afterwards. Right. Yeah. So she very quickly becomes one of the most prolific thieves in New York city, mm-hmm. but she does so by combining being a thief with being a prostitute. So she'll offer herself as this gorgeous Jennifer Garner woman to all these rich businessmen in New York. Mm-hmm. And then she'll steal, it's kind of like hustlers. She'll steal all their money 
and then bank on the fact that most of them will be too ashamed to admit that they were with a hooker, a hooker mm. so yeah. they they won't you know they won't actually report the crime. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's very much that basically. So and she does very well out of this, and she becomes very prolific, very wealthy, and that's her mm. version of what Leo does in the original film. Mm. You know, she she's found a way that she can use her talents to make money, and it pays off for her massively and she's very successful at it for quite some time but she still is only like quite a young girl so you know there's mm -hmm. kind of an a sadness to it but you know she's doing well uh, but eventually despite the fact that many of the men are too ashamed to report the crime some do and her attempt as she steals more and more money and maybe she steals some very high value from some very high value clients um she does also attract the attention of the fbi mm -hmm. and again it's very much mirroring the original film she's going to have her own version of the tom hanks character who's like pursuing her through New York. I'm thinking Viola Davis. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. because she often plays yeah. like authority figures, like mm. police officers and stuff. And I thought that'd be a really good, she could definitely play like a hard bitten mm. New York police. She's officer. got a lot of gravitas to it. Yeah, she? exactly. So, yeah. so imagine her chasing Jennifer Garner around New York, trying to catch her down, mm -hmm. trying to catch this infamous prostitute slash thief, jewel thief, thief, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. And it's a similar kind of cat and mouse game that is, uh, plays out between the two of them. Yeah. And maybe they phone each other every Thanksgiving. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyway, ultimately, she is caught, just like Frank is. But in the exact same situation, Viola sees her potential. Mm -hmm. And so rather than send her to jail for all these years, she invites her to join the force, join the FBI or join the police mm -hmm. as a top-ranking secret agent. <laughs> uh, have you figured out where this is going yet? This might be a little bit before your time. Uh, no. Do you remember why Jennifer Garner first became famous? Or? I barely know who she is. Okay. She was on this very popular TV show, Alias. Okay. Where she played a secret agent who always, who specialized in changing identities all the time. Right. So I'm thinking, you, this is the first you've heard of that show, isn't it? I, I think I might have actually watched an episode or two of it. I was going to say, it's not like that old. It's the kind of thing people your age probably like had their first wank to, to be honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. It's a very sexy lady in a lot of like tight clothes, you know. Okay. Anyway, Whatever. Uh, not to delve too deep into your <laughs> personal life. So yeah, so I'm thinking that, that inspired by Alias, mm -hmm. this character played by Jennifer Garner. I was more in 709 from Star Trek. Of course you were, of course yeah. you were. Yeah, you like a dominatrix, don't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so yes, inspired by Alias. Whatever you say. This character by played by Jennifer Garner becomes a top secret agent who specializes in taking on secret identities in order to seduce men and extract information from them, mm -hmm. which is pretty much, I think, I wasn't a huge Alias fan, but it's pretty much, I think, what her character in Alias did. Sure. So I'm thinking one day she's working on a particularly high-profile case to track down a notorious New York criminal and fraudster when she finds herself on the same investigation team as Agent Frank Abernale. Ah, interesting. Who, of course, has been on his own journey yeah. since. They've not crossed paths since. This is the first time. Mm -hmm. They recognize each other. He's embarrassed. It's mm -hmm. the prostitute just like with many years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, that's embarrassing for him. She is... Fucking furious, yeah. you know. <laughs> this is the guy. This is the this is the fucker who stole my money all those years ago. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely furious, mm -hmm. and so then I guess the rest of the film could follow them as they classic odd couple mm. thrown together, secret agents yeah. united in dislike for each other. But then eventually they they have to find a way to work together, and mm -hmm. they find that their skills are very kind of you know they work well together, yeah. and then maybe it spins off into a successful kind of. TV procedural. I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's what I had there anyway. Yeah. I just thought no, I like that. basically same story, but from a female perspective with a heavy dose of alias thrown in there. How would she get her money back from him? Would she steal it from him? Or? I think she'd be like, look, you owe me $1,400. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's like, what? And yeah, maybe, maybe she just demands the money. Like, you know, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And maybe he's like, well, sleep with me again. And she's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, it could like a bit, you know, it could be yeah, like banter, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. That could be a whole thing for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. So that's his Catch Me If You Can too, alias Femme Fatale. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. Cool. So those are our sequel ideas. Mm-hmm. And Harry. Yes. It's a me pick next week, yes. I believe. So this podcast is coming to an end. You know, I think our lives are, uh, they're, they're changing. You know, things are changing. You yeah, know? I thought you were going to say, I think our lives are too. I thought you were going to say. Well, our lives are too. Well, no, no, our lives aren't coming to an end, but <laughs> things are changing. It's made me feel a bit reflective. Okay. And I've been thinking a lot recently, like, what, what is life? What What is life ultimately? I'm not enjoying this bit. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> I'm going to roll it. I'm going to pull it together. So what, is, and I, what, I've, what I've decided, Harry, what I've come to realize what realization I've come to. You're making me dread this more and more. The realization I've come to, Harry, is that life is a cabaret. Oh, no. So I thought next week we would do the classic 70s musical Cabaret. I was thinking about that the other day for some reason. Have you seen it? No. How do you know you're not going to like it then? I don't know. I just... You, you just did jazz hands. Maybe you'll like it. Uh, yeah, I'm a very flamboyant person. There you go. It's good. It's not boring, I promise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um... It's in color. It's not a black and white musical. It's in color. <laughs> Okay. Liza Minnelli? Liza Minnelli, Cabaret. I've never seen a Liza Minnelli movie. There you go. There's not many of them, but no, this is not. very good, yeah. Okay. I've also seen it from Rest of Development, but that's sure. it. Exactly. I think you need to see her, at her in her prime to really appreciate her. Okay. So, and this is definitely her in her prime. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cabaret. Um, yep. I can see why it's a bucket list movie. It's It's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, we had to do it. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Yep. Join thanks us for next, subscribing. Next, join us next week for Cabaret. See you later. Bye. Bye. Cashier's check, endorse it over to me. No, I couldn't do that. See, this check is for fourteen hundred. We agreed upon a thousand. Why don't I give you back four hundred, and you give me that check? Even better. <laughs> <laughs>